Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, News and Analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, September the 17th, 2021, and we will be rebroadcasting this show on Monday, September the 20th, 2021, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Please join us at koop.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. This is our 74th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Welcome. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis with your host, Pedro Gatos. want to welcome you to a very special show tonight. It is our membership drive, My Passion that I express through Co-op Radio is to get at the truth of what goes on in this world that we live in. And Co-op Radio is the only venue I've ever come across that allows you that editing latitude to do your own research and to present your own interpretations of the news of the world in a responsible, incredible manner, only at Co-op Radio. Enjoy bringing light into darkness. You are tuned to KOOP. HD1, HD3, Hornsby. And this is Undercover Greg, recording on 17 September, Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis with Pedro Gatos. And I'm here again because it is the full membership drive, and it is a tradition of those of us who join Pedro once in a while to speak with him about where Bringing Light into Darkness came from and what he's going to be bringing us in the uh, coming year. So, uh, Pedro, uh, give us a little bit of your background about what brought you to the news and analysis, particularly the analysis part of your show. Yeah, well, first, Undercover Greg, thanks for joining the show tonight. And as you mentioned, you're a regular visitor and part of the show over the many years that it's been on the air. So I really appreciate you making yourself available. Yeah, well, that's a great question, actually. Why should you listen to this show? One, one of the things that we're really proud of is the wide array of very insightful guests that we brought to the airwaves over the last 18 or 19 years or so. The purpose of creating Bringing Light into Darkness, actually back in 1998, before I was with Co-op Radio, I was interested in creating an institute on addiction, health, and social theory that we did, a DBA, and it was created as a way to capture and to pursue a passion of mine uh, that has developed in my adult years, and that was to pursue a solution to a fundamental understanding that generally goes unrecognized in our culture, namely that most of all human misery in the world on this planet, past and present, has been created not by natural forces of nature, such as hurricanes and earthquakes, but from human behavior. And I learned the gross wealth inequality in this world has created tremendous amounts of preventable human misery. We'll get into that a little bit later. Bringing light into darkness, Monday News and Analysis focuses primarily on the United States and world foreign policy issues, uh, their impact on the majority populations in which 
those foreign policy interventions occur and the historical factors that created this wealth disparity that we'll be focusing on today a little bit. The darkness, if you will, is the informational prejudice. A great writer that has influenced me very much, he passed some years ago, his name is Herbert Marcuse. He described in One Dimensional Man many years ago that we have a universe of informational discourse, and that universe of discourse is essentially closed really doesn't have a substantial oppositional narrative. So therefore, we're in a vacuum of sorts in which the information that's made available to us and not made available to us makes it very difficult to sort out what's going on in the world around us so that certain important and contradictory information is just largely kept out of that universe of information made available to us as consumers. So this is how the American public essentially gets propagandized. It's like having a trial in which only one side is allowed to present its evidence and its arguments, and the other side is not given any access to present any type of defense. You can guess what becomes the prevailing views of the audience listening to these presentations. Bringing light into darkness seeks to bring information that is kept from the American public's eyes and ears. Our interest is not to push an agenda, but to bring very important information people need in order to more accurately arrive at the truth about things of importance in the world around us. That which we do not know, we cannot consider. Bringing light into darkness seeks to bring to light exactly that. Important pieces of the puzzle, historically and currently speaking, that are generally ignored, misrepresented, or exaggerated. It is said that those who disproportionately own the material wealth of society also own the ideas of that epoch. Bringing light into darkness seeks to provide well-vetted information that is largely absent from the universe of discourse, essential to understanding the world around us, a universe of discourse, mainly created by our mainstream mass media. So before I turn it back over to you, Greg, I just wanted to make one validation of that claim, which I think is huge, which is the media concentration. At the present time, this is in a February 8th, 2021 piece, The Dangers of the Concentration of Media Ownership by Kyra Raupola that we've mentioned on this show before. She's with the Berkeley Hijacket publication. And she wrote, at the present time, a shocking 90% of the U.S. media is controlled by just six media conglomerates. The variety of media ownership has condensed more and more as the years have gone by. In 1983, she writes, the U.S. media was controlled by 50 companies. There were nine companies ruling in the 1990s. And by 2020, the number has shrank to six. AT&T, which bought Time Warner, Columbia Broadcasting System, Comcast, Disney News Corporation, and Viacom. This means that a huge amount of media companies are connected. For instance, the Huffington Post, Yahoo News, and American Online are all owned by the same conglomerate. Comcast is the parent company of NBC News, MSNBC, and Universal Pictures. Additionally, several billionaires control huge sections of the media. One example is Mortimer Zuckerman, who owns U.S. News and World Report and the New York Daily News. Or Warren Buffett, who has the majority of Berkshire Hathaway's voting block, which owns 70 daily newspapers in the United States. But not only are there six conglomerates alone that mainly own the media, but these six are so interconnected that they are practically one. A 2003 study she cites in the Columbia Journalism Review 
found that there were 45 of the same members on the boards of directors of Viacom and Disney and Time Warner, a controlling conglomerate at the time now owned by AT&T. And additionally, the main conglomerates share 141 joint ventures, for example, Hulu, which is owned by both Disney and Comcast. This means that these companies can create an echo chamber projecting the same ideas and working together to advance mutual interests. So we've said it on the show, Greg, that when you have incredible wealth disparities and the concentration of wealth, it's not just financial wealth that's controlled. It's actually the ideas of the epic are controlled by those that have this inordinate wealth ownership. So that's why it is so important to understand these dynamics. Well, we also should explain that we come from a world or a time, a lost time, when there would be morning papers, independent morning papers, and independent evening papers every day uh, in a given city, that there was not any cross-ownership between radio, TV, or newspapers. Mm -hmm. And all of these restrictions that were well thought out uh, and considered and established have been done away with such that, as you say, most of the media that we watch today is self-serving and regurgitating the same thing. No, absolutely. And, and then also it affects the foreign policies of our country because our country, the foreign policies generally cannot move forward in a foreign policy way and intervene in a country unless it has the majority population either behind them or not really caring about the issue. And so when you have media that has become complicit with government in that you hear this term all the time, oh, she or he is a, a conspiracy theorist. Well, I want to share with you then bringing light into darkness. We have brought to the airwaves concrete exposés of information, of validated information that directly contradicted the United States government's rationale for the foreign policies that we were scrutinizing. It turns out time and time again that the conspiracy theorists, if you define that as people that make claims that later prove to be false or unsubstantiated, that overwhelmingly that's what our foreign policy has done over the last number of decades. Yet if you question those foreign policies, you are considered a, a conspiracy theorist. And Bringing Light into Darkness has detailed historically these misrepresentations to the American public time and time again over the last couple of decades we've been on the air, all of which we are happy to make available to the public for further and closer scrutiny. So we ask our listeners to examine that record, because only when you establish a record of credibility should you earn the respect of people tuning in to your show to get information that they're likely not to get anywhere else and trust it and verify it independently themselves. I guess what I'm trying to say is we find is that the conspiracy theories are really coming from our media. I mean, that's how we ended up in Iraq. Weapons of mass destruction. Al-Qaeda is being enabled by uh, Saddam Hussein. You know, these were all lies that Saddam Hussein was part of 9-11 you know, all of this stuff. By the time we got into Iraq and it, it was too late to get out of Iraq, so to speak and such. So that's what this show is about. I'm glad you got back to the show because, again, this is the light that you're bringing in against the darkness of a controlled media uh, by allowing other voices and other sources to be heard on your show. The, the second thing that I think is critical about your show and very important about your show is the fact that you are not judgmental. 
you offer this out there for people to research on their own and make their own decisions. You don't demand that they listen to you and follow you and whatever you say or think. Again, these are two things that we almost don't realize we miss and don't hear on other sources. So, again, the opportunity that uh, KOP has given you is, is a, an opportunity for us to gain from listening to KOP as well. And that's really worth going back to is the opportunity that KOOP, this very unique radio station, you know, you have an obligation, or at least I certainly feel I have an obligation, that if there's going to be any controversial presentation of material, you better have your facts lined up. You better have your sources sourced out. You know, we can make honest mistakes, but the privilege of being on the airwaves and being able to, as Herbert Marcuse suggested, to bring oppositional information that's just not even out there for people to consider. You bring the information, but don't bring just information. Bring the sourcing. Bring all of these things that people can then do their research upon. And so I do think we should turn to our membership drive. Well, let's get back to a couple of things, Greg, that I wanted to make sure that people leave the show today with a better understanding. Of course, if you listen to Bringing Light into Darkness regularly, this should not come as a surprise. I think what's really important is that the character of a political economic system is really revealed as a character of our nation during a crisis and what transpires particularly by this type of system in order to take care of the most needy. And got this COVID virus, and ever since COVID-19 made landfall back in, what, January of 2020. So since January of 2020, America's 664 billionaires saw their collective wealth explode to $4.2 trillion, which is a staggering amount. It's 44% increase from just one year before. This is an important insight that when things really get bad, the most endowed financially get these windfalls, if you will. I just wanted to go to this issue of this wealth disparity. 40 million Americans filed for unemployment during the pandemic, but billionaires saw their net worth increase by half a trillion dollars. This is a separate piece by Business Insider back on July 28th. 2020, how billionaires got $637 billion richer during the pandemic. And this is not the first time that this elite 0.01% or less has made a a great windfall. From uh, also, I don't know if you remember, but back in the housing bubble burst in 2007, home prices fell 21%. Again, this is from the Business Insider piece. And roughly 3.1 million homes were foreclosed on In the United States, the stock market fell by 52%, and by the end of 2009, 8.8 million Americans had lost their jobs. And the effects lingered. From 2009 to 2012, the incomes of the bottom 99% grew by less than a half a percent, 0.4%. Meanwhile, the top 1% incomes grew by 31.4% during the same time span. This is during that huge recession period and post huge recession that we had it's interesting that you note housing in particular because a lot of times the united states and we as citizens come under criticism for our lack of savings mm-hmm. in other words many other countries have a uh, you know 20 30 percent of their income isn't savings they have large savings accounts right. americans are vested heavily in housing in other words owning a home and that was their savings through yeah. retirement, sell their home, and that is their nest egg that is right. now converted into their retirement. It is an asset, and that was attacked 
and, and taken from us by creating that bubble of uh, artificial pricing. Well, it's uh, price rises. The point that I'm really trying to get at, and that's the point of the character of a, of a system where the homeowners uh, received about 10% of the relief that was given out by the government, both under Bush and under uh, Obama, and some $700 billion were given to banks and corporations, and some $75 billion were given to homeowners. That's a, that, that, that's a tenfold difference. And so the, the ones that, are, that need the least help get the most help because they you know, obviously have an influence on this types of, of decision-making type of thing. The other thing I just wanted to mention that's connected to that is when you go back to right before the pandemic, right? So if you go back to, say, 2019, there was a, an Oxfam report that came out in January 20th of 2020. It was called Time to Care, and it reported shocking wealth inequality disparities. Growing inequality was being driven that the richest 1% in the world at the time had more than double the wealth of 6.9 billion people. So you see this incredible increasing concentration of wealth that comes out of COVID. But before COVID, we had all sorts of problems. And I think that's really important because everyone forgets how tough it was in this country before COVID for most working Americans. But before we elaborate, we need to take a quick break for some important co-op announcements. We want to remind you this is our membership drive. Please call 512-472-5667. Call now. We'll be back in a flash. <laughs> 